Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Lavender Water Podcast. This is your host, Matthew Williams, and today I am being joined by a very special guest. Uh, In case, for my music admirers, for those who wonder, where does the Mizza get his superpowers from? How do we have such a phenomenal artist on our hands? Where did this man come from? I came from the teachings of this man. This man used to come to my house. um, So my aunt married a man. That man became my uncle. That man, his brother, is the man we have in front of us today. That man's name is Seth Holston. We know him as Seth Boogie on this side. We know him as Dr. Evil, uh, DJ Cognac, <laughs> for those who go way back to 05. Um, he, he taught me how to beat flip samples. He taught me uh, the, the, the goings of a digital audio workstation. He taught me a lot of life lessons. Give it up for my uncle, Seth Holster. Uh, thank you. You are far too kind, my man. Far too kind. <laughs> hey, I do, I do it for the people. How you been? I've been well. Uh, you know, today's a special day. It's my birthday today, so you know, I'm I'm feeling happy, extra good. Hey, happy birthday! This this is this is not coming out till September. His birthday was back in May, but hey, it's 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 always a celebration. Always, always. How are how are you doing? Hey man, I'm trying to find my way. Um, staying hopeful in chaos and uh just just pushing every single day. I hear you. I I hear you. So um the the reason I asked you to come speak today, I just love your testimony, uh your path to finding God, your path to finding salvation and uh being saved. And uh, me as as a young black man, you as a young black man, uh, I think your story could uh, reach others. I think you can inspire others to uh, get on the right path before it's too late. Not not even saying that you were on a wrong path back then, but just you know, you just you you straighten your direction, and uh, it, it's beautiful to see today. So uh, I just want you to go through. And, and touch on, you know, some key parts of the journey and where you are now. Oh, well, well, well thank you. Uh, so, as, as uh, you know, when I was a kid, um, like, my, my grandmother used to hold church at her house. And mm-hmm. uh, she passed away in October of 2021. And uh, for sure, and um, you know, I I would hear stories about you know what through as far as ministry and things like that. You know, decades ago, like when when my mom was a kid, and uh, you know, she used to hold church, and she she held church in her house for decades. You know, first it was a community thing. and then it, it became more family oriented, and um, you know, me being a kid, I I my my I try to focus, but you know, I I had the attention of a, of a gnat basically, so I couldn't <laughs> uh, I couldn't hold on to much, or or at least I didn't think I could, but something certainly stuck with me, and 
from the time I was, I'll say, of decision-making age, um, which is pretty young, uh, I've always had this kind of tug of war, you know? Right. There was... there were the teachings that there were the biblical teachings that I got every week for a couple of hours at, at, at church. And then there was school, which was polar opposite to that. Right. And, uh, you know, aside from, aside from identity issues coming from like, you know, my parents splitting up and, um, you know, the, everything being opposite as far as like, you know, my mom's side was God first, God first, God first. Right. My, my, not so much. I mean, I'm I'm not going to say they weren't, but, um, there were, there really wasn't much talk about it, you know? Right. And I don't, I don't remember ever, I don't remember my dad ever taking me to a church service after, after the divorce, you know? So, that's how that went. But there was always this tug of war and um it it came to a head around the time I was um seventeen, sixteen, seventeen years old. I started wilding out and uh left home foolishly. Um and I mean I I basically was able to live like how I wanted to live for I think it was a period of like eight or nine months. It was it was most of the school year, most of my senior year of high school. I almost didn't graduate because of it, you know. Mm. Um, but I was, I mean, you know, I didn't have a curfew. I was able to go make my own money. Uh, so it, it, girls started paying me attention for some reason. So it was it was it was just if something like if everything could go wrong, it did. And uh, I ended up, you know, we, we had a situation at my, uh, at the place where I was living and uh, I had to bounce from there, you know? Right. So I got out of there. My mom took me back in. And at this point in time, uh, my aunt was living with her, her sister. So, right. um I brought it to age 16 because uh, I was real close to one of my cousins at that point in time. We were almost inseparable. And, um, you know, he was an adult when I was 16. So he wasn't trying to live within the limitations of a child, which is totally understandable, you know. Right. He he graduated high school. He had friends. He had a job. He's, he's, you know, we both grew up in the skateboard cult culture so he's 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 living it up and I have to respect that, you know. So I was I was left solo for real. Um like I couldn't really relate to my friends at school. They were making progress in their lives and, you know, having cars and living lives and stuff like that. Here I am still just kinda doing the same thing I was doing when I was a, a freshman, so, you know. <laughs> you know, hanging yeah. out, playing Nintendo. Yeah, watch. Well, I didn't even have that. Uh, so I was like, I was, um, you know, just just kind of struggling, just kind of struggling with like who I was supposed to be, right? Right. And then uh, come back home. I, by the grace of God, I graduated high 
high school with no issues. I mean, my GPA wasn't the greatest, but that happens. Um, and then afterwards, uh, afterwards it was time to get a job. I ended up getting a job at the place where I work current, currently. Now, whether I work there by the time this airs or not is a different story, but at the time of recording, I'm still there 17 years later. And, um, Hey, congratulations, because, you know, it it took me until I was, like, 28 to hold a job down for more than a year. So, like, to have that dedication, in a sense, early on, that that's pretty good. we got to give a round of applause for that. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and so, my uh, when you asked me about coming on this podcast, uh, earlier this week, and he said the topic was priorities. For me, I've always kind of seen the result of, of whatever I was prioritizing. You know, I always kind of saw it early. Yeah. So, um, like me being a knucklehead as a teenager, I saw those results early. It was it was like, oh man, like this this is bad. Like you know, on 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 one hand, you know, I'm dating a girl that's now in college, but I'm in high school, you know. Mm. But on the other hand, she's trying to take advantage of me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> mm. And it's like, huh, this isn't quite how it's depicted. You know, this is not this is not glamorous. You know. Um, and then not knowing how I was more or less a pawn in the scheme of things, you know, like it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like I was, you know, ah, oh man, Seth is the man in this situation. Like, you know, I, I went to Walnut Hills. I'm dating a girl from another high school who just graduated and, you know, she, she's living out of state and, and it's like, man, Seth's doing crazy stuff right now. You know, like it's just kind of, mysterious in a way, you know, like, how are you doing that? Or why are you doing that? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's the logic? And, um, you know, when I was that age, my priorities weren't, um, my, my priorities were just, you know, make it to the next day, you know? Yeah. It was like, I didn't, I didn't have any kind of hope for the future, to be honest with you, I was I was really just on a I was really on a, a destructive path, and mentally I was trying to clock out early. You know what I'm saying? Like I was like I have no plans for the future. I'm going to do random stupid stuff now, so <clears throat> I don't have to think about it for too long. You know? Yeah, um, I actually can relate to. Being in a situation where it felt like it was hopeless, so I might as well do the loser things. I might as well do the low vibrational, negative, unproductive things just because I gave up at point in time. Exactly. And um, I think think because I was in a place of isolation, um, you can only relate. You know, I can only I can only relate to my mom so much, you know. And my dad was living out, so that had its own stresses. I had there were two sides of the family that were feuding, and there was no one in my direct age range that I was in contact with. 
you know? So, and my friends, who I'm still friends with to this day, but, you know, I still I still laugh at the fact that, you know, one of my, you know, the best man at my wedding only saw my mom's house one time, you know? Mm. <laughs> and my other friend, my other longtime real, real, real good friend, he's never seen my, he's never even met my mom. You know what I'm saying? He's never met my dad. Um, so as an adult looking back, I'm like, man, like I must have looked like a straight up alien to people because it was like, I'm cool with these people. I'm at their houses. I go kick it with them. I go chill with them when I when I can. I'm, I'm building bonds with them. And it's like, now I'm wondering, like, man, did they ever really build a bond with me because they didn't really see where I came from? Right. They, they didn't really understand the method to the madness. So, um, so like, I joke about this now, like, you know, because we're back on priorities, you know. <laughs> back mm-hmm. in 2004, minimum wage was like five fifty an hour. I, I, I think uh, apartments were pretty cheap. Well, if you wanted to live in the hood, they were pretty cheap. So, like, the 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 goal was to get a job paying like seven bucks an hour. You know, um, yeah. <laughs> there were there were places that were paying that, and you had to like, you had to know the plug to get in there. Like, someone someone literally had to plug you in to get in there. It was it was it was weird. Yeah. Um, and uh, I got hooked up with a job. And then uh, making just a hair over minimum wage. I actually loved the job. Just the pay wasn't that good. Um, right. And then that was uh, the ice cream parlor. And then uh, I got on at the place I am now. And I thought I was rolling in. I thought it was like rolling in dough at this point. I'm like, man, I'm getting paid every week. Like, you know. So then the priority became like, okay, find a place that you can afford. Like the one thing that no matter what situation that I've been in, there's always been a voice or reason. Um, the uh, the girl that I dated in high school who went off to college in that situation, like, turned into a bomb, basically. Uh, her mom was, was corporate type. You know what I'm saying? So she was, he was giving me financial game as a 17-year-old that I still use today, and it pays off. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, like she said, when you um, when you buy a house, make sure, it, or for your cost of living, make sure your room and board is no more than three times what you make if it's a house or, you know, a quarter or something like that of what you make as far as rent goes, you know, so you can easily pay that. And then for mm-hmm. cars, it was for cars, it was something else. It was like a car should it never cost more than a third of your yearly salary, mm-hmm. you know. So I took those things to heart. And then um, that's how I got what I call the, uh, the bird's nest apartment that I had, which was on the top floor, Madisonville. Got to love it. Um, <laughs> Shout out to the Madville location. So many, so many classics, so many beats, so many vibes over there. And it was right next to the bowling alley. It, it was, that was a really good spot. Oh man, that and I, I really feel like since that was the stable thing I had 
in my life, I was able to grow there. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think, I think because I grew up in a household like you know, my parents got divorced when I was seven. Mm. Like they like like they split up when I was seven. So for for six years of my life, I got to see them together, and then I got to see them break up. And you know, it's the little things that cause the issues. Like I'm losing. You know, the only the only thing you have to worry about as a kid is school, right? So right. I'm I'm losing homework assignments at at my mom's house because I went to my dad's house today, you know? Right. Now my grades are suffering. Now I'm now I'm getting punished. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I'm like yeah. Like I did the work, I promise you I did the work. <laughs> and then and then if I but it's but it's not showing. So there's all these all these little really aim me in a direction where I was like, I want stability, you know, like I want something stable. Um, uh, if I had, if I was in a relationship that wasn't stable, I was getting out of the relationship, you know, and I was in a bad one for like four and a half years. It was not stable at all. And, but, you know, because you see people and this isn't like, and this isn't, necessarily talk, talk, talk talking about like my brother and sister-in-law but it's like everyone else around me having babies early shacking up getting married early i thought mm-hmm. this is what you you know so you know another relationship where it's just headache every day you know what i'm saying it's like ah man like this isn't it you know like something is definitely wrong here priority shifted again um, and I was like, you know, I need to like have some quiet time, you know, um, I need to have some time away from this. And, uh, that, that, that relationship ended, um, and, you know, now mind you, I'm in my early twenties at this point, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm, you know, going through all this nonsense living on my own, paying my own bills, you know, bought a car at this point, you know what I'm saying? Like had a studio in my apartment for crying out loud. It was, I, I mean, who, like, like who, who thinks to do that kind of thing in 2005, you know, 2006, it's like, Oh no, this, this is just what you do. You know, you make music after you work third shift, you know what I'm saying? Like who else doesn't do that? This is about the time that I was over at uh, Seth's house, like, every weekend. Like, like, bro, man, let's make some beef, man. Let's record, man. Let's let's vibe, man. And I'll be over there. We we go walk to the mire, eat pizza rolls, (laughs) giant kids, really. Like, I was, like, 16. He was, like, in his 20s. So this is one of those situations where it's, like, uh, he he should really be out with the adults, but like I'm like bogging him down with my teenageness. <laughs> well, but that, and, really good times though. I, I miss those times. Well, and like you didn't bog me down at all because I appreciated those those times. You know, uh, like I said, as a kid, I was I was really you know. Um. I wouldn't say sectioned off or sheltered. I I would say that I had a lot of limitations as far as socializing goes. Mm. So, like, I didn't have, you know, friends. Friends didn't come over my mom. Like, like I like I had one other friend 
who didn't live in the neighborhood come over to my mom's house, you know, mm-hmm. actually see the inside of it. Um, I, I had, you know, a lot of social, uh, I had a lot of social barriers that, that, that I built up because I didn't know how to have healthy boundaries with people, you know? Right. So like when I was, when, when I was in my apartment and, you know, I'm 20 years old, I'm 19, I'm 20 years old and, you know, I'm pretty much doing everything I wanted to do as a teenager because now I have money and I have freedom. I'm like, you know, you coming over, Mo coming over, John coming over, like, I loved it because it was like, oh, man, this is this is what I always wanted. You know, like, I wanted to be around people who I could relate to. Yeah. And then um, after, I would say after years of, losing touch with what I actually wanted to do. Because like there's like the like the thing you're passionate about and there and then there's just like the base level thing that you want to do as a human, you know? Right. Like I was passionate about being creative, you know? Like making music, getting better at it. Like I traveled with I went to New York to battle. That was my first time flying solo. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm up there. I met Just Blaze. I met a bunch of other people. Like, yeah. like it was it was one of the coolest trips ever. And um, I, um, I, I came back with that trip. Like, I came back from that trip knowing I had to make a decision. And it was a tough one. I was like, so you see what's going on out there musically. Um, you know that where you are as far as your peers in Cincinnati goes, like they really respect you, um, maybe even admire you. But um, as far as taking it to a bigger stage, like you got to be a different person. You know what I'm saying? Like who you are right now can't sustain that. So I kind of um, – I stepped away more or less from the music for a little bit because I felt like I needed to learn something. I was like, okay, I've gotten this far just off of figuring it out, pressing buttons, seeing what they do and making noise. But how can I do this with some intention, you know? Yeah. So like that's around the time I started going to college and, um, while working night shift, by the way. Um, so, I'm doing that, and at the same time, I'm having this freedom, and, you know, we're going to get to me finding God here in a minute, because, like I said, I went to church as a kid, you know, from birth to 17, basically, Um, and then I started making decisions on my own that, that, that weren't good decisions, you know, and... I got to see the not so glamorous side of what I was trying to do, you know. Um, yeah. I got to see the reality of being promiscuous. You know what I'm saying? I got to see the reality of being a womanizer, and uh, you know, being in relationships that don't go anywhere. That you know, you're only there for one reason, 
and that other other than that reason, you all are really just hate each other for real, you know. And I I grew tired of it. Like I was like, I can't keep doing that. And um, around so so like I started to prioritize like myself in a different way. I was like, you know what? I'm not going out to the parties this weekend. I'm not going out to the bars. I'm not answering my phone. I'm not going out on the hunt, as it were, you know, um, chasing women or whatever. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm going to stay home. Making beats became, like, the weirdest thing ever because it was like, oh, my goodness, like, what what even is this? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I'm like, I've literally taken my creative energy where, you know, I didn't have a car. I was in a relationship that I hated. So making beats was an escape for me, you know. Um, sure. After I got all the quote unquote freedom, what what did I do with it? I squandered it. You know what I'm saying? Like I went, I went from bar to bar, party to party, person to person, and um, there was absolutely zero fulfillment in that. Like absolutely none. But I know that because once again, you know been in church my whole life at this point, I know I'm stacking up this thing against me, you know? Yeah. I know I'm out there taking chances like, hey, you could be like impregnating someone right now, you know? Um, You don't know this person. You only see this person on on the late, and I guess these days they would call it a sneaky link, but... Yeah, way only, before the sneaky links, he was sneaky links. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was. I, I think it was called action. But like, it was, <laughs> it was, it was like you are taking life and death chances for something that doesn't fulfill you. Right. Like you are literally because like, like mind you, while I'm out there sowing my wild on my wild oats, I'm like hanging my head low, going to the clinic, getting tested, making sure I'm not, you know, <laughs> catching a big one. You know what I'm saying? So, so like all these things are going on in my head and, uh, you know, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a strange thing to get used to that because of, because at one point in your life, it's like, man, how do, how do guys get, get women, you know? And then, mm-hmm. Then the question goes from how do guys get women to man? Why am I prioritizing this? You know what I'm saying? Like it's a trap, I, man. It's, it's a trap. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I know firsthand on well, my experience is like coming up around dudes that don't really know anything about women, and then the dudes who are really good with women. It becomes this game. It's like oh, you yeah. ain't smash. Oh, you ain't. Oh, you get no girl, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I remember as as young as being like 16, 17, my friends is like already losing their virginities. And then it's this whole big deal that I'm still a virgin and stuff like that. So it was like, in, in a sense, I was kind of like uh, peer pressured <laughs> into going out and having sex with someone that I didn't even care about, that doesn't care about me, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, ruining a special moment for the sake of your friends would be like, oh, he did that. <laughs> like, who cares? Like, 
young men out there, like they they might laugh, they may make fun, but hey, stay healthy, <laughs> keep keep your energy, keep your soul clean, keep your keep your STDs negative. You know what I'm saying? Like, who cares what your friends say? <laughs> Right, and you hit on something, the whole peer pressure component of it. Uh, and I, I'm not going to put everything on that because we all make our own decisions, right? I made, I certainly right. made, I certainly made, made mine. But um, when the peers aren't there anymore, you know, um, you know, and I know I've shared this with you before, like back in those days, uh, having co-workers who would this is when cell phones got video recording capabilities mm-hmm. that that was the thing to do like that that was well not the thing to do for everyone that was something that some people did and they would come back and share their conquests with their peers and <laughs> it was a weird thing because like you know on 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 one hand, because once again, you think that it's hard to, you think that it's hard to engage in sin because you know, kind of sheltered from it at one point. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It, and then it's like you walk through the door and say, "Oh, oh, snap! How do I get out of here?" But uh, right. But like, at at one point, it was the thing and. You kind of see, like you know, I'm I'm 18, seeing guys who are, you know, 15, 20 years older than me living like this, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, shoot, is that what I have to look forward to? Just kind of, you know, go from relationship to relationship, creep around, and you know what I'm saying? Just it just didn't seem all that appealing to me. And uh, around the time. I got to a point, I was like 24, like, I, I I got to a point where I was like, you know what, I'm done, you know, like, and I don't want to. It's funny you mentioned uh, the age 24, because I was 20 at the time, and I'll never forget the piece of game that you dropped on me when you came through that one time, you was like, yeah, man, you want to start working towards something, whether that's school, your career, or something. But you need something because you can't be 30 out here, you know, still trying to figure it out. And it's like, yeah, uh, it's, it's, in that moment, it's not something I wanted to hear. But, yeah, uh, how you started to, to prioritize the right things in your life, you was, you was passing that game on to the youth. You know, I'm only four years younger than you. But, you know what I'm saying, like, there's, 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 a, whole, there's a whole journey in that four years that, you know, separates us. That you know, like places that you were going, I hadn't even been yet or knew how to get there. So I appreciate, uh, I appreciate the the wisdom you was dropping back then, and still continue to do today. You know, Matt, I I I appreciate you listening because the fact that you even looked up to me enough to listen, I was like, because I I'm gonna be honest, like I didn't I didn't think much of myself for a very long time, <laughs> you know, like. Mm. I, uh, you know, I'm not doing the thing that my parents did. You know, my parents had my brother early. You know what I'm saying? Like they were married. They were like 19 years old. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I'm 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 in my 20s. Like, man, I'm 
man, I guess it's not going to happen for me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then, and then, um, you know, not wanting to, so like, some of my priorities at that point in my life, it was pretty simple. You know, it was to not be homeless and to not go that. You know what I'm saying? Like, so me being at the job as long as I've been there, it's largely a function of like, okay, I've had side hustles. I've had a lot of side hustles, but one thing I'm not going to be doing is um, going back home to live, live, live at home. You know, because um, right. I, I I'd already gone back home. I went back home at 17, you know, so like, I didn't want to do it twice. Uh, I didn't want to be a burden on anyone because it seemed like so much of my life was around me being an inconvenience to people. Mm. So I didn't want to be an inconvenience to anyone. So that that was on that was always in the back back of my mind as far as my decision making goes. It's like. You know, I stopped. One of the things on my mind was like when I was out being promiscuous was that, um, man, how am I going to tell my mom if I catch AIDS or something like that? I don't know who I'm laying down with. You know what I'm saying? Like, I barely know their last names. You know what I'm saying? Oh, he was—he was a real life rapper. He was—he was—that's—that's <laughs> that's crazy. Well, and you know, like I—I I, I wasn't. I'm not going to diminish it and I'm not going to glorify it. It was what it was, you know, mm-hmm. but the lifestyle that I was living was like, you know what? I'm a blip on the radar out, out here. I am literally playing Russian roulette um, in the worst way possible because I'm going to have to die slow if I get it wrong, you know? So like, right. how do I tell my mom this, you know, the one who, the one who took me back in, um, the rest of my family was like, ah, you know, they don't really care. You know what I'm saying? But my mom was like, how, how, how would I want to tell my mom this? You know? Um, so I wanted to slow down and didn't quite know how to. And then one day um, I just stopped. I actually made a song about it too. Um, <laughs> documents. Well, yeah, that was, I think it was part of the documents. Uh, the, for So, me and Matt have this inside joke. It's called the documents. And in a, you know, when I was younger, I used to write poetry. I used to write lyrics. I used to write a lot of stuff. I used to really like bleed out on paper. Okay. So, sorry, sorry about that. We're having our gutters work on today. It's a big, big thing. I'll tell you about it later. Uh, so, homeowner, uh, homeowner perks. We're homeowners now. Um, so. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. So I um I made a decision one night that I wasn't gonna take any more calls. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't gonna take any more sneaky link calls. So uh this was before this was this was a this was like right at the time. This was like either right before or right at the time me and Erica met. And um we weren't dating though. We we weren't like official or anything. So but I decided I was like, you know what? I'm done with that. I told I told my cousin, and I was like, hey, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm not dealing with another woman until I'm 40. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. mind you, 24 years old at the time. So 
I'm like, I'm not dealing with another woman until I'm 40, because then I'll actually know who I am as a person. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I'll actually know some. I, I, I'll know something about life to where I can do this thing right. So, and I kid you not, two hours later, I met, I met my wife. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's really, it's, it's crazy how y'all came together. The, the story of uh, y'all first hanging out, like. Like, <laughs> yeah. Let, let, let people know this one. This is this is like when he made this decision. He's like, I'm stopping. I'm stopping the 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 sneaky links. And then to say, literally two hours later, I didn't know that was the journey. That like two hours later, y'all had met. It was literally two hours later. Like I was me me and my cousin who was in town. He's in the navy. He was in town. You know, chilling. Uh, we're eating euros in Clifton, sitting outside because we used to skateboard in Clifton. Clifton's iconic for to me for that. We used to skateboard there all the time. Um, we're sitting outside eating euros. My first time eating a euro. I, it's good, by the way. And we're we're just talking life. And I'm like, dude, like my life's kind of spiraling right now. It's, I'm just, I just feel like I'm just at the mercy of whatever my genitals want to do this, like, chasing women, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's kind of a stupid existence for real, you know? Because, like, like, no one knows what they want. They just want sex, but they don't know what they want for real. Like, right. so it's just, it just annoys me. So I'm like, I'm done with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm about to go, like, get a warehouse job in a town I don't know and just be away from people that, that, that know me so they can't reach me. So I can just, you know, focus on living, you know, like get my life together. And then right. two hours later, I'm at, you know, my real good friend's house. He's he's in the Air Force. So, you know, he's he's in too. And he knows my wife. They used to work at Staples together. Um, so we're in there chilling. He and, he and my cousin are going back and forth about fighter jets. It, like, it's the funniest thing ever. And then... Erica walks in the door. I look at her, and the first thought, you know, me in my caveman men mentality, I guess, my first thought was, like, she looks like a wife. <laughs> like, not, necessarily, not necessarily my wife, but she, but, she, but, but, but she was giving off wife-like aura. And I was like, wow, what is that? So, <laughs> I mean, apparently we ended up talking for the rest of the night, like, Apparently, I paid no one else any attention. I even moved the guy off the couch who was sitting next to her. I was like, dude, you got to bounce. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and like, not even outside stuff, but just, but, but just like, dude, you're like, you're like getting in the way here. Like, I need you to not do that. So, and it, it was all, it was all, it was all respectful. So we, so we ended up exchanging information and, um, and tell you how fly I thought I was since I was still working night shift. She was working day shift like people should do. Um, <laughs> um, I would go up to her job at lunch and have lunch with her because it was oh. her her midday was my midnight, but I still function. Yeah. So I'd go have lunch with her. I'd call FTD Flowers and have them send flowers to her desk. You know? hey, shout out to FTD Flowers. They really, they really do it. Like they, they make people feel special. 
bruh, like her coworkers took notice too. Like they they were like, What is going on here? So we we made our intentions clear and she was in a point she was at a point in her life we may have been at the same points in our lives where like we knew the lifestyles that we were living were wrong but we wanted to do things right and you know us having that connection and understanding was like you know what this is this is wife right here you know what i'm saying like so um I proposed shortly, I'd say we were only dating for like a year and a half before we got married. And, uh, it was, it was, I do remember how quick it was. Like, like, cause I remember the story of, uh, how she told the story. Say, uh, basically she was walking out the, out the party or you was going there, however it was. And then you was like, Hey, we about to go get something to eat. You coming with us? Yeah. And then she was like, Oh. I felt like I had to go with him. <laughs> so we joke about this. Mm-hmm. So it was White Castle. There's a White Castle near Bond Hill, uh, the neighborhood where we were. And we were like, let's get out of the house. And for those who don't know, I, I have a speech impediment. Like, I have a stutter. I can't start certain sentences like normal people do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, I have to start sentences in a way that I can. It's like, it's a it's a weird phenomenon. So I'll ask a question, and the only way you know it's a question is by the inflection. So I asked her, like, you going to White Castle? And <laughs> I'm a monotone guy. So, like, she probably didn't hear the inflection at the end and probably heard, oh, you're going to White Castle. <laughs> <laughs> so I would, ne- I would never force someone to go to White Castle. You know what that stuff does to your stomach. I never forced that one anymore. <laughs> but um, so, so, yeah, we um, – so we we dated, we got married, and I and I tell you what, my mom, you know, uh, my mom started going to a church, she, um, and uh, they had a CD ministry where they would burn services on CD. Now, mind you, as an adult, I hadn't been to church. I didn't trust church people because a lot of people lied about the Bible. I, like I've had so many conversations, so many misguided conversations with people about the Bible where they completely take things out of context and add things and take things away. And I was like, mm. you know what? I'm not going to a church that one of these people suggests to me because it's like, if this is what they're getting said, I'm reading it in black and white, sometimes red and white on the page myself. Uh, this is not what it says. You know, you can't even interpret that. So, um, so she she ended up giving me CDs and me being the guy going to church every day on Sunday. My wife was going to church. I wasn't going. So what I would do is I would take my Bible, go out on the porch Sunday morning and just read for a couple of hours, you know, just read from start to finish. And uh, I, I did that for a while. And then my mom gave me the CDs. I didn't listen to them at first because I was scared. I was like, man, what's this? Church on CD? What's what's the world coming to? Uh, what? Like, confusion. <laughs> um, 
And then I listened, and I was like, oh, snap, like, he's actually preaching what's actually written in the Bible. I'm like, what? People do that? That is weird. That's crazy, right? So I listened to that. I listened to those for a couple of years, and uh, you know, I, I I'll tell you what, like being being married. When I told when I told Dane, my cousin, that uh, either it was either the day of or the day I made the announcement that that we were engaged. Um, he said, "Now he said, now you're becoming a man. Like I'm, I'm hmm. 25." And hey, uh, I didn't know. Shout out, Dave, by the way. Yeah, shout, shout, shout out to the Dizzle. Um, so, like he said, now, now you're becoming a man. And I, and I didn't know. I thought he just meant like, ah, oh, well, you know, you're taking yourself off the market. You know, now you won't be doing that nonsense for sure. But what he was, well, I don't even think he knew what he was saying. But what he was saying ended up being like, this is where your walk with God is going to start. Mm. challenge you in a way that you've never been challenged before. Um, logic will not get you through this. Prayer and fasting will. And yeah. that's, that's, that's how I started praying and fasting was because being married. Now, I'm, what was I, 20? I was 26 when we got married, right? Mm. Uh, I'm fully grown at this point. I've had my own place. Since I was 18, I've bought cars, I've traveled, you know what I'm saying? Like, I've done some stuff. I've held down a steady job. No one can really tell me much about anything, which is a bad place to be, by the way. But um, right. I'm, I'm, I'm setting my ways at this point, you know? I'm like, well, I'm doing something right, you know, because mm-hmm. look, cause look, cause look at what I'm doing. And... um. But what ended up happening was, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, we we butted heads a lot in the beginning. Me and my wife did um, just, you know, clashes, culture clashes and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And then, um, mind you, what, what all I had given up, uh, you know, I, I had given up pretty much being 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 a hoe basically. Uh <laughs> I I gave up drug use. I gave up, you know, heavy alcohol use at that point. Um I was using all that to cope. I I, I gave up, you know, the uh, pornography and all that stuff. All like all the feel good things, you know, all, all the things that kind of numb you, right? So I given all those up and things were going well, then we get pregnant, you know, and you know, we knew it was going to be a, a, an issue going into it, but we were like, you know what? Trusting in God, we're going to do this. Um, so we get pregnant. It's a high-risk pregnancy, and um, we end up losing our daughter, right? Um, late My enough then. For, for the record, uh, just because uh, I've experienced miscarriage as well, and, uh, you know, uh, when it's. When it first happened, I couldn't relate, and then there's a point in time where it's like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, my condolences to you too. And um, what ended up happening was, I'm sitting in church, and I'm like, 
I have nothing else to go back to. I can't get high enough to get over this. I can't get drunk enough to get over this. Ooh, that's that's a bar right there, man. Ooh, I can't get high <laughs> enough to get over this. Um, <laughs> and like you know, every look, like Matt, literally every thought went through my head. I'm gonna be like brutally honest here. Like I was like, you know, having an extramarital relationship is not gonna heal this. What am I gonna? Do? You know, like nothing that I used to do. First of all, everything I used to do was destructive, but it's certainly going to be destructive here. I didn't think more destructive than actually losing a child, but, like, I was like, none of that stuff is, is going to help. Like, and, like, I knew it would, and I was like, all I can do is turn to God. That's all I, that's all I can do. I was getting no sympathy. Like, a friend of mine had just lost a child through miscarriage, so he could sympathize with me a little bit, but he already had children. So, you know, it's a little bit different. So, you know, there is that part. But um, I was on an island with that. I didn't get any sympathy from work. Family kind of distanced themselves from me, you know. Um, I was I was really, you talk about being isolated. I was like, man, like I have, I have nothing but I'm at church. Okay. I got to be there for my wife, you know. Um, this is all, like, I don't know what I'm doing now. I'm literally taking it, not even day by day. We're we're talking step by step at this point. So, you know, we go through a period of awkwardness and, you know, just all, just all kind of stuff that goes with it. And, um, through that, through that pain of loss and, and not knowing, because, you know, there's this um there's this concept I guess in Christian life where it's like you lose one, you get two. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, God will bless you double. That's not biblical. Um, well, I won't say it's not biblical because there's a story of Job. But everyone is not gonna everyone's not gonna go through what Job went through and everyone's not gonna get what Job got in the end. You know what I'm saying? So like you can't you can't really cast that on everyone's situation, you know? So, um, you know, at church it was awkward because people didn't know how to approach me, you know? Um, but I was like, I'm not, like, I'm not giving up. Like, you know, I'm really not here for them. Like what, what the pastor's preaching is true. And like, I know it is, I believe it is. So, I got to separate that from people's personalities a lot of times. Um, so I, I kept at it, and in doing so, eventually there's a, um, you know, I was I was baptized uh, at the age of five, you know, because like, um, I because I wanted to be, you know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't like oh you're getting baptized. It was it was like do you want to get baptized? Do you understand what it is? I was like yeah, I want to be baptized. So I got baptized at five. Um, and there's a scripture in the Bible, uh, Acts 2.38. Um, I'm going to get slaughtered if I don't quote this thing verbatim. But, uh, you know, uh, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and I'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I think that's what it says. I have a terrible memory. But um, so at this point in my life, I'm I'm repenting. You know what I'm saying? 
I'm like, mm. I thought I re- I thought I repented when I put, you know, the bottle down, the weed down, the porn down, the the women. You know what I'm saying? Like, I thought I repented then, but there's a lot more to it. Um, so that was a four and a half year process of repenting for me. You know, because um, yeah. I didn't know that I didn't know what all I needed to repent from. So that ended up. Um, you know, I kind of started seeking after God extra hard when we lost our daughter because I didn't know what else to do. I was like, no, nobody else can help me. Nobody else wants to help me. No one else is even taking my phone calls. People literally did not take my phone calls, you know. Mm-hmm. People did not come over. They didn't check on me. They didn't check on Eric. Like, Erica had people check on her close to nobody check on me, you know. Mm-hmm. So this is God is all I had left. So, um, so um, four and a half years of, of seeking after him and just saying, like, you know what? Okay, I know people go down to the altar. They get filled with the Holy Ghost, like, boom, like, instantly. That's that's great. For me, this is going to be more of a walk. You know what I'm saying? This is going to be a day-by-day thing because, like, you know, there are a lot of things that need to be torn down in me, things I need to be emptied out of, uh so, so that I can receive that. So, um, and since then, since since being since since being filled with the Holy Ghost, I've been um, it's still it's still day by day, you know. It's yeah. still learn it's still learning how to like walk after the Spirit, like the Spirit goes first. You know what I'm saying? Learning how to discern and knowing how to respond and knowing how to be a better husband. You know, like marriage, like marriage is the first ministry. This is literally a holy thing that God gave to me. You know, it's holy matrimony, you know. So I know like it gets diminished in culture. Like, oh, it's a holy matrimony. But it's like, no, it's a holy matrimony. You know, this is is a good thing. Um, Good meaning, good meaning is going to work out for your good, not necessarily for your comfort. Um, So, you know, I've been growing for the past, five years of just, you know, trying to walk with God, serve, like, you know, since we're talking priorities in 2017, um, and I don't know how much time we have, and I know I'm talking a lot, I'm so sorry. Um, oh, man, you're good. Uh, we, we'll okay. probably be dwindling it down, but, uh, you, like, there's no time limit. There's, <laughs> like, it's, okay. it's, it's, it's a healthy discussion. Okay, cool, cool. So, um, so I know you wanted to touch on how I got into AVP, audio video production. Um, we, we talked about music. It all comes together at some point. But um, I I bought a camera when I was 16. You know what I'm saying? Like, I bought my first video camera at 16. I made a me – and D, me, me and one of my cousins made a short film that summer. You know what I'm saying? Like You can go been, around the tree, man. Around the tree. You know it. So um, – <laughs> So like when I was um, getting out of high school and working, um, one of my neighbors was like, "Seth, you know what sequencing is?" And I was kind of familiar due to my brother and, and cousin going to the studio, um, so I kind of knew the terminology. Um, so I was like, "Uh, kind of. I can figure it out." He said, "Hey, I'm gonna give you this drum machine." And I want you to see what you can do with it. I was like, oh, snap. Okay, cool. 
So he gives me this drum machine. It was the Roland SP505. I miss that thing to this day, you know? Good I, made, I made so many beats on that, and I learned so much on it. And it was the coolest thing ever. Um, this is 2004, by the way. So yeah. I'm making... I'm making, uh, I chopped up the woo samples on that, right? So mm-hmm. before before I heard Supreme Clientele, that's that that that's what I chopped those on. So um, because I I I remember you saying like I chopped up Supreme Clientele, I had no clue what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, um, shout out Ghostface. <laughs> Ghostface, yeah. So like, he gave me that, and I thought my path in life was going to be a, a that of a music producer. Um, and it just so happened that a friend in high school knew of a studio called Clear Noise, which was right next to the old SCPA, mm-hmm. where uh, they were having a listening party for a mixtape, and I got invited to it. And I was like, I'm gonna go down to this thing. I go down there, people introduce themselves, and, you know, there's Tino, there's this other guy, and then there's this guy named Cheese. And I'm like, Cheese? Like, Cheese? Like, Cheese? Call me Cheese? Like, for those in Cincinnati, legendary dude named Cheese, um, Sleazy Cheese, Cheese Coney, whatever you want to call him. But my brother and cousin looked up to him a lot. He was like the – he was like the guy. You know what I'm saying? He was like the man when it came to production. And the fact that he had a... I'd say he was like the Jay Dilla of Cincinnati. Like, he just had that that air about him. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I took a card, and um, I go back, and I'm messing with these samples. I'm making beats. I've I've been making beats since I was, like, 15, by the way, you know, in some way, shape, or form. I've, I've always... You know, before before I even knew what a Fruity Loops was, before I even knew what a Pro Tools or a Reasons was, I used to sequence, I used to use, okay, let me take it back way far. Back in the good old days, you bought a computer, and sometimes it did not come with a CD burner. So you have to buy a CD burner, right? Yeah. <laughs> CD burner came with audio editing software on there, one in particular called Nero. And what Nero will let you do is record a wave file, and then it will let you bounce it and then stack it, meaning you will record it, save it, play it back and record something over it. It was a really archaic way of uh, stacking and multi-track recording. So I was doing that. I had to be I had to be 14 or 15, right? So I'm doing that. In, like in Wisconsin, at, at my dad's house, by the way. So I came back to Cincinnati with the first, with uh, my first beat pack. Like, yeah, I'm on. You feel me? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but so like, I take this drum machine and um, I get I get down with it. You know, um, my cousin buys the MPC 1000 and he's getting down with it. I'm showing him things on the MPC based off what I learned on what I had. Mm. And so all of us are just, you know, you know, you know, my brother, he's like the Isaac Asimov of music making, like this dude is otherworldly. <laughs> so 
I'm like sure, trying to catch Sylvester, by the way. Sylvester, like so. I'm trying to catch up with him. I'm like, he's he's doing just other stuff. I'm like other stuff, right? So we're all we're all in it at this point. And then uh, I show you the five oh five. So I'm like, well, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> like um, I'll never forget this experience. Like this man, this man really made me look at like there's a life beyond what you are doing. And uh, so the story was. I had uh, MTV Music Generator 3 on Xbox, and uh, mm-hmm. this, this game, it lets you lets you make beats and all that. So I'm, like, showcasing this beat that I made that I think, like, bro, it doesn't get any better than this for me. And then he comes <laughs> through with his, he comes through with his NPC. He takes out the audio cords from the TV from the game, plugs into his NPC, samples my beat, Makes my beat sound one billion times better, and everyone's going crazy for what he did with my beat. I'm just like, oh wow, wow. So like, I think in that moment that like that like that woke up a hunger inside. Like, it was like, oh nah, like you you're not about to come through and do it on me. I gotta come correct every time I do it. So uh, yeah, I think uh, you gave birth to the to the legend in that moment. Ah oh, man, you know, I, I remember that too. Like those those are legendary times. Um and so, you know, two thousand five, two thousand six, um, one of my other cousins, I hear he's back in town and he's rapping. So I'm like, I got beats. Now 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 mind you, Matt, I've always had a nebulous nature about what I do. Nebulous mm-hmm. meaning I do it because I do it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, that's why I do it. Um, someone gets the beat machine. Therefore, I make beats, you know? <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> like, like, I, like, I played trumpet all throughout high school. Once that died, died down, in came the beat machine. And it was like, it's only right, you know? Like, like you know these euphemisms that get thrown around in rap, especially from the East Coast, like it's only right, you know what I'm saying? Like it it, it was yeah. only right. Like <laughs> the trumpet went down, the beat machine came in. I had turntables because I like being a DJ. I like scratching yeah. records. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> Pretty good thing, at that too. Thank you, thank you. One thing led to another and I'm scratching records on top of drum breaks in my bedroom at my mom's house. She's she's probably happy that I'm doing it, and and to show you how much she held she held me down, she bought me um, for my 18th birthday. Now, mind you, we didn't come from money. You know what I'm saying? There was there was no, <laughs> there, was, you know, to some we had luxuries, to others it was like I I couldn't do it. I didn't even have a door on my bedroom for a while. You know what I'm saying? So it was crazy, but. Um, she bought me, this was back in turntable days, so sure, the company that makes microphones, they made these turntable cartridges that were specifically built for what was called turntablism, beat juggling, and scratching. They were sure M447s, I want to say. My mom mm-hmm. bought me two of those because I had two turntables. She held it down. She went out of town for work and came back with records. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? For me to sample, she said, "I thought you might like these." I was like, "Oh my goodness, mom!" <laughs> like, 
so she was so I think she really liked the fact that I was involved in it. And um so it seemed like it was only the right thing to do for me to keep doing it. And when when Mo came around and he had aspirations of rapping, um, I had beats that I had made. I at at this point, you know, like I had made a little bit of money. This was before I, I think I, I don't even think I had a bank account at this I think I did. But I saved up fifteen hundred dollars in cash. Mm. After I moved out. I saved up fifteen hundred dollars in cash. I'm like, I'm gonna buy a keyboard workstation and some speakers. I'm gonna make beats. Uh, but I'm gonna step it up because I had to give I think I had to give the drum machine back to uh, Phil. So Dane picks me up. I got fifteen hundred in my pocket, spilling out because it's in fives, ones, and tens. Uh, <laughs> I call a guitar center like, "Hey, I got fifteen hundred dollars. I want this Yamaha Motif and these M Audio BX5 speakers, right?" Yeah. <laughs> All right. Concept of taxes was completely out the window, so I'm like, um, he says, "Yeah, we can do the deal." So I go up there. He says, "Show me the money." I lay the money out on the table. He says, "Let's do it." So I I go home with the keyboard. I didn't even have an instruction manual with it. I made a beat on it that night. You know what I'm saying? Like I was I was hungry, and I just thought it was what you did. I, that was like. Oh, man, that, that that may have been one of the best experiences I had as a young adult was doing that. Um, there was a profile picture I made of me sleeping in bed with the keyboard. Like, that was, that was really neat. Like, the keyboard was right across from my bed. I would wake up, put an idea down, and go back to sleep. So it was crazy. And I thought that's just how I was supposed to live. Um I thought I would get discovered eventually and then just blow up and, you know, I would replace Dr. Dre at some point in my life, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, it was very possible. Dr. Cognac, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, DJ Cognac, Dr. Evil, yeah. <laughs> um, those were those were the days. So I end up now, you know, we get into 2008, 2009, and I'm, um, I'm like, I'm making short films again with with my guy Postman and his crew and he keeps asking me to do stuff I don't know how to do. He's like, Can you edit video? I'm like, Well if it's anything like editing audio then I can. He does he didn't understand what I was saying. But we jumped on it anyway. And I was like, you know what? I should go to school and learn what I'm doing so I can help the team out. This was not to get a career, this was to help the team out, you know? Right. So two thousand eight I decided, you know what? I want to get into an audio video production program so I can learn how to do this editing thing that I keep getting asked to do. Um, so it was really just to help out Postman and his team win a contest, really, you know? Right. We were like a, uh, one of them, uh, 48 hour, uh, film fest. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I start going and I'm thinking, because I see the studio at, at, at school, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm about to, like, get it going for real, for real, you know? Right. Um, and I ended up I ended up loving video production more 
because uh, this is the first time in my life I was around actual working professionals, right, who wanted to raise up the next generation. So um, Cincinnati is primarily, like, Cincinnati is a music town, if you know who to talk to, but it's primarily a video production town. So that's that was more of what I was leaning towards. And um, by the time I got out of school, I, um, you know, I, I was working third shift and going to school in the morning and paying out of pocket. Once again, back to the priorities, I didn't want to be in debt, but um, I wanted to finish what I started, you know? Right. I didn't want to start going and not and not finish. So during the course of me going, I actually gave up, you know, surprise, surprise. I kind of clocked out mentally again. I was like, you know what? I'm this close to me and done. Let's just finish this thing out so I can at least get the degree, you know? Right. I'm going to be stuck in the warehouse forever unless I quit. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I, so I finished out. I actually finished out pretty strong. I graduated with like a 3.5, I want to say. I was like, oh, snap, I actually am kind of smart, you know. Um, Every child is born a genius. Oh, man. And um, thank you. And uh, when I got out, I got exposed to, you know, know the big thing, priorities and then values uh, in in local hip-hop. I'll put the blame... I'll start to blame there. No one ever talks about what stuff is actually worth, you know? Yeah. Um, you know how much an NPC costs. You know how much speakers cost. You know how much Pro Tools cost. No one can ever tell you how much their time is worth, you know? Yeah. No one can ever tell you the value. Like, we were making product, you know what I'm saying? We made a crap ton of product. We were making product, though. Yeah. So, but we didn't know what it was worth. And no one would tell us. So when I got into school and started seeing like, oh, okay, there's a better way to do this. I um I needed a co-op. Co-op is something you do in, in, in school to get real world work experience. And working in audio video production, mind you, you know, I'm kinda nebulous about what I do again, so I need a light stand for a project I'm doing for school. School doesn't have any. They say go to Midwest Grip and Light. Mm. I find Midwest Grip and Light is I walk in the door, I see stuff, my mind is blown. I'm like, you know, at school they give you what's called an airy kit or back then it was like four hot lights, some stands, a soft box, you know, basic, basic interview kit. Um, I go in the Midwest and they have lights that are, you know, 20,000 watt light fixtures. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Dollies, um, flags, all this, all this grip electric stuff. And I'm like, what is this? Hmm. Um, one of the guys there, Lucas, um, he, uh, he's like, yeah, what do you need? I'm like, I need a C-stand. He's like, is that all you need? I'm like, that's all I know. And he said, hmm. Why don't you go to the office, talk with the owner, Bernie? I'm like, oh, okay. I'm nervous, but I'm like, well, I, I'm not going home. I'm, talk, I'm talking to Bernie. So I talked to Bernie, 
Um, turns out me and Bernie's son went to high school together. <laughs> mm. um, we, we graduated in the same class together, right? My right. class had like 400 kids, though, so I didn't know him. Um, and I wasn't popular anyway, so it wasn't like, oh, I didn't know who was. He was like, people didn't know me. You know what I'm saying? It was that kind of thing. So Bernie offers me a job on the spot. I didn't even apply. I was like, I was like, can I just, like, come here and learn this stuff? You don't have to pay me. He said, it was like, no, I have to pay you. So why don't we do this? Um, we're paying $10 an hour. I don't know if that works for you or not. But, you know, let let me know. And I was like, well, I'm making 15 an hour at my night job. This was 2012. Right. So I'm making 15 an hour at my night job. I can't really give up the 15 for the 10. Um, I'm thinking short term at this point. But um, so he's like, okay, as long as you work at least four hours a day, at least two days a week, you can work here. Otherwise, you could just come in and hang out. So he let me make my own work schedule. Mm-hmm. Without an application, I filled out a W-9 and started working next week, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm loading trucks. It's, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like, I'm loading trucks. It's like I'm loading trucks at, at the bird, but it's different. Um because I'm loading trucks I care about now. But I'm learning yeah. I'm learning here, I'm learning how to work it. And I think I told you about it, like, you know, doing the grunt work and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then it eventually pays off in that business. And um so I do that for a couple of years and then um or I do that for like a year, um a tragic thing happens. One of my good friends his mom passed away and um Someone came in the Midwest picking up an order and mentioned her name. Mm. And I was like, like, you know her? He, and he was like, yeah. I was like, how do you know her? I was like, her son was the best man at my wedding. Mm. So um, he's like, oh, you know him? I was like, I've known him since I was 13. So, like, mm. you know, we we click like that. And then that conversation ends and, you know, we move on. I end up running into the guy on the late night in Northside. Um, he's like, oh, Seth, how you doing? I'm like, yeah, Andy, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. He's like, hey, what are you doing this Thursday? I'm like, nothing if I don't have to be. <laughs> and um, he says, you want to come work this commercial with me? I was like, I've never done one before. He's like, it's cool, I'll teach you. So... Um, he put me on my first commercial. Now, you know, making fifteen bucks an hour after taxes, you come home with some like four hundred some dollars, right? After mm-hmm. a week's work, forty hours. My first commercial, I made three hundred thirty dollars for the day. Yeah, and I was, I was like, what? What in the world? Oh, this is golden. I didn't know anything about freelance then. You don't really control that. You know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> you, and like you don't really tell them when you're gonna work, they kind of tell you when you're gonna work. So um, for me at least, so I'm getting into the business, and that that was the moment that I started learning the actual value of things. Like by getting by learning and by getting paid my actual value. Yeah. So uh, 
after that, music really took a backseat because music was, you know, one of my real good friends, Tino, um, he told me that, hey, you know, in the music business, most of the money is made by people buying musical equipment. Mm. Like, that's when I learned the actual value of, of time. Um, I got paid more doing that than what I ever did for a, a beat, for studio time, um, for any of that. And I didn't have to, I didn't have to, uh, you know, plead my case about it either, you know. I didn't have to say, man, I spent a lot on my studio. You want to come in here and record for $10? I don't see how that's going to happen, you know. Um, So I started learning the value of things. And, um I keep lather, rinsing, and repeating from there. I actually built my business off of proceeds from freelancing, SH Media Productions Limited. So I built that off of that. And then some years in, there's a need that comes up at church um, for a lot of video production. I was there, you know. So it was our capital campaign, and uh, I thought, what better way to use my talent than to use it for the kingdom, for this church, for this cause, you know? Right. So I do that, and um, video production turns into more of a ministry thing for me because we start live streaming. I I configured that system and, and brought it in. We've been going live for four, four years now. Um, yeah. But um and that has been that that that's been a blessing to me and to other people. And um I wanna choose my words care, care, uh, carefully here. Like um it was a, it was kind of a paradigm shift as far as how um churches perceived. My thought was always now mind you, I came from the C D ministry. That's how I got introduced to churches I know today. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really stunting the intricacies of, you know, oh, stage and what's not. But um, four years in, we're still cleaning it up. We're still getting it together. And um, it's been it's been such a blessing for me uh, because not really knowing what my walk with God was supposed to be. I uh I got heavy into serving in that capacity. And I think I like I brought you with me one time one night. It was a Wednesday night I think. Um Yeah, I definitely uh got the experience, got to see the uh got to see it all in action, all the cameras, all the lights, all the the equipment, uh just how how deep uh the church goes into making it consumable in many forms. Yeah, yeah. And um you know it, that's had its ups and downs, mostly ups. But I I'll say this, um that was two thousand and eighteen when we started going live when the pandemic hit and everything was shut down in twenty twenty. We were already there. Yeah. Like, we were already set set to go. All we had to do was say, we're going to come in to do it. And um, 
I I often joke with people like, you know what? I didn't miss I didn't miss a third at all. I was the one doing the recording. Me and a couple other people were the, were doing the recording. So like, I got one on one time with my pastor, which is very important, by the way. Um, I got one on one time with him, with other members of our pastoral team, um, with other people who serve in the media ministries, and we got to know each other and um, we got to learn from each other and um we got to see each other grow and um you know i came out of that i i like i know i glossed over some stuff but that was a really big pivotal moment for me because i came out of that with the understanding that you know serving isn't going to save you you know what i'm saying like hmm. volunteer like volunteering all of your time, working yourself to the bone isn't going to be what saves you. Um, you have to be there. <laughs> I know it's probably not like, like popular speak, but um, God does move and God does move in church services, you know, especially where his is invited in there's a formula to that there's a way to do that and we do that and um you know i got to experience uh i got to experience god in many different ways um you know through through that and then going back a little bit more um i told you being married is what drove me to a place of fasting and praying because that's how i that's all I could remember to do was fast and pray. You know, there aren't words you can say to someone when neither of you all are hearing hearing each other correctly. You don't have the words to say. You know what I'm saying? Anything you will say is more harm than good. So, um, <clears throat> so what was this? 2000 and this was 2020. Um, what what ended up happening? You know, of the many ministries that we have, we have what's called the Home Bible Study uh, Ministry, mm-hmm. and we the 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 head of that, Pastor Fazel Cobra, um, he called for us to do what's called a Daniel fast. That's 21 days of uh, <coughs> consecration where you don't eat any bread, you don't eat any sugar, any added sugar, you don't eat any meats, you don't have any caffeine. You're basically on fruit, vegetables, water, and whole and whole grains, whatever you can do with that, you know? All right, that is definitely the Daniel fast. Uh, I just read the story of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, um, and uh, Abernego. Abernego? I'm trying to say it, but the speech impediment stopped me. It's a uh, Abednego. Abednego, there it goes. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I just read that story because, like, like a couple months ago, I like randomly woke up and I just said the name Shadrach, and I was like, "Where did that come from?" So I read the story, and uh, for those who don't know, uh, long story short, uh, these three men uh, they were captured by the the Babylonian king. Uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, um, yep. 
And he basically wanted them to conform to his ways. They said no. Um, mm-hmm. There was a point in time where they were, like, imprisoned. And uh, Daniel was, like, talking to the uh, to the guard, like, hey, hey, let us just eat vegetables and drink water because <laughs> uh, we don't want to eat your, uh, your, your undrained meats. And dude was like, man, I don't know about that. I don't know. So uh, they did 10 days of vegetables and water. And they looked way more healthy than the guys who were eating the meat. And um, it came to a point in time they needed to bow to uh, Nebuchadnezzar's idol, and they wouldn't do it. So he threatened to burn them. And mm-hmm. um, through their faith in God, they said, whether God saves us right now or not, just know we'll never bow down to your your fake idols. So uh, the furnace was turned on. They weren't consumed by the fire because God sent angels to protect them. Uh, The men who were creating the fire were burnt and, you know, killed. But uh, after the the king saw that they weren't consumed, they weren't touched, he threw away his idols and he he found God. And and see that, Matt, I mean, you just preached a sermon right there. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, yeah, that is that is you know that is one of the many encounters that 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 Daniel had, and I and I thank you for for telling that because uh, if there was if there was ever a time in life where you know bow or else dance to our rhythms or else uh, conform to our ways or else I mean we've been living in those days, but as adults we see it for what it is, you know, like for me, I see it for what it is. You know what I'm saying? And like, I know you do too, but, uh, but yeah, like we, um, and I suggest, you know, everyone read that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Every, everyone read that. But, uh, but yeah, so we, we, we went on a Daniel fast, 21 day fast. And, um, mind you, me and Erica weren't, we, we weren't, enemies at this we weren't like enemies we weren't seeing eye to eye we weren't really getting along all that well you know we were married but not you know not fruitfully so you know what i'm right. saying and pastor fazel was like we're gonna do this, this this daniel fast and you know 21 days now he's 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 he, he's a vet many times over so to him it's like oh just doing a daniel fast right it, it's important it's powerful i've mm-hmm. never done one I've always done like you know a day here, half a day here, we, you know whatever I felt let's do. And um, I invited Erica to go on this fast with us. She wasn't directly involved in that ministry, by the way, but um, she did. And we went on the fast, and we learned, and you know we we prayed and we lived, and I had to. Uh, you know, you're not supposed to have coffee on that. I had to drive up to Cleveland for work. I did, I did that on stamina. You know what I'm saying? I was like, whoa, Lord, I don't know what to do. Like, I get to Cleveland and work. You know what I'm saying? So we get through that. And, you know, this workshop happens third week of March every year for the most part. Well, what happened second week of March in 2020? Everything got shut down. Um, Pastor Fazel was like, We're staying on the fast. I was like, Okay, 
we're, we're moving forward. So um, we get through with it. The workshop doesn't happen, but something miraculous happens with us. Mm-hmm. Um, everything shut down. Our job said you have to work from home. I was like, oh, no, we live in a one-bedroom apartment. We're going to – we're not going to make it. Like, we're going to get divorced. Like, we won't make it through – we won't make it to our anniversary. I'm like, oh, Lord, like, okay. But the Lord gave us peace in our home. Yeah. We worked, we worked in the same room together with no issue. Like, the same room, looking at each other across the room all day long and then getting off of work and being happy to see each other. Hmm. I had never experienced that before. (laughs) I was like, whoa. And that, you know, I I wasn't into pushing those boundaries. So, like, I'm, you know, I'm thanking God for it. Like, whoa, like, you came through, you know? Like, he's I'm going to use this moment to to, kind of land this one because we are kind of going about, like, well, as as the original recording is about an hour and a half, and then, like, probably when I edit it, condition down, you know, probably a good hour or so, hour 15. But um, uh, speaking on priorities and then the way that God moves and – you know, weaving this in and out of previous things that we've had on the show where you spoke on values, you spoke on uh, communication. Um, And then when you're talking about how you were redirected from what you thought your original goal was, uh, we had an episode on here, dreams don't always come true, and that's okay. Uh, Yeah. Where, you know, the flesh wants something in this world, and you think that's what you really want, and that's how you'll find fulfillment but then you end up redirected into something else greater and more conducive for you and your situation. Uh, on this side, it's like, that's, that's kind of how I started the podcast. Uh, originally me and a friend were going to be co-hosts and, you know, do this, the guy, the first episode. But then I, I, I feel like when uh, it, it got to the point of like, okay, we're distributing it. Uh, we got to sign up for stuff. It's business. Uh, it's like $13 a month to maintain the feed and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. it, he he kind of dropped out, you know, um, and it left me with it. But at the same time, um, I'm not a podcast person. I don't listen to podcasts. This is my first experience uh, doing something like this. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's, it's very beneficial. I like doing it. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's something that I couldn't foresee without uh, – or I couldn't see myself doing without uh, trying to build a brand. This is just another aspect to my business, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, um, it gets the people involved. It feels good to do. And, yeah. uh, you know, I enjoy having these talks and, you know, uh, communicating with the people in my life. Um, I'm drinking more water, you know what I'm saying? Uh, these are things I could do without the podcast, but it's like now it's a necessity. Um, mm-hmm. And... You know, it just it, it's just uh, when you follow God, you don't know exactly where the path goes, but it's like it's all worth it as you're going through it. And this walk with God, it's it's about the journey, you know what I'm saying? And I think in the society, we tend to forget that. It's always about the instant gratification, the destination. What can you get? How can it benefit you? But, um, yeah. you know, when you, when you have your priorities together, everything is going to work itself out. 
Yeah, and you know, thank you for I'm I'm honored that you asked me to be a part of this. Um I'm I'm so honored that you you wanted me on here. Uh you know I love talking to you anyway. You know I love talking with you. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a you know, that's a given. You know, you're my nephew. You know what I'm saying? Like one hundred percent, man. I appreciate you. I love you. I love you too, man. Uh, any any final words for the people out there? Um, I will leave something with you all that my associate pastor has left with me, and it pays dividends. Um, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that's all I'm going to say. That's, that's, that's powerful, man. I appreciate you. Um, you you're welcome on the show anytime. Uh, we can do another one of these hour, hour, hour and a half talks. Um, yeah, for sure. Just, just stay tapped in. Uh, say hello to your wife for me. And much love yeah. and uh, goodwill on your journey. Thank you. And, you know, Matt, I love you, and I'm always praying, praying for you and everyone in your circle. Uh, Erica says hello. And um, I'm, I'm going to go eat some apple pie. That's 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 the dream right there, the American dream. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Lavender Water Podcast. I've been your host, Matthew Williams, and this has been Seth Holston. Until next time. Thanks. Peace. Peace.